Thank you for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That was what we looked at last week. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what we're going to look at this week. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's what we're going to look at next week so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's the last week of the series. And, and what's powerful about this passage is that the NIV translates, make the most of every opportunity. The New King James translation actually says it this way, redeeming the time. And I don't want, this morning I want to call us around that idea of what would it look like to make the most of every opportunity? What would it look like in our lives to redeem the time that we have? Because, here's why. Because if you know what you're going to do with the time you have, you tend to do more with the time you have left. I had some friends that went to Disney World just a few weeks ago. They had a, a finite amount of time at Disney. And while they were there, I guarantee you, they planned almost every step of the day. Why? Because they knew the amount of time they had left. And as a result, they prioritized their time differently. And for each one of us, for each one of us, we have a finite amount of time on this earth. And if we'll prioritize the time that we have on this earth, we'll know better how to use the time that we have left. But there's only one problem. It's a four-letter word. We use it most every day. Say it with me. We're just all too busy. What do you mean make the, the most of the time that we have left? We're, we're busy. We're too busy to add one more thing. We're too busy to add another night out because you're already out all night, all week long, every single night. You're too busy maybe even to invest in the faith of your children and you're certainly too busy to invest in your marriage. You're just too busy and I wonder as we're kind of rounding third base and headed into home for 2017, I wonder how many of you actually think that 2018 will be the year that you slow down. It probably won't happen. For many of you, you might be tempted to think that the Bible really doesn't address any of this. You, you may be some type of corporate executive, you may be high-powered, you've got deadlines, you've got, you've got bills to pay, you've got places to go, you, you've got people to, to, to embrace and lead, and, and you've got priorities in your life, and you can't carve out any more time, certainly to make a lasting impact on a generation that you may not see. Well, I actually wanna take you, this is fascinating, I actually want to show you the picture of a guy today in Scripture who had the ultimate deadline. The ultimate deadline. Matter of fact, the deadline that he was working towards was drawing to an end every single day that he was on this earth. And, and he was so busy and he was so popular and so many people depended on him that, that, that scripture actually tells us about this guy that the multitudes were drawn to him, that the multitudes came to him. This was a guy that traveled full time for a living. Everywhere he went, he traveled for work. That's what he did. He never got upgraded to first class and he was job profession really wasn't in healthcare per se, it was more in sort of total life transformation. But the way that this man named Jesus lived his life 
while he was here on this earth was so gracious and he was so aware of where he was in his surroundings and he was so present in the lives of the people that he was with every single day. And today what I don't wanna do is I I don't wanna give you five steps to make the most of every opportunity. That's not the message that I wanna teach today. What I do want to do today is I want to give you this make the most of every opportunity mindset. And it really is the mindset of Jesus. And so if you'll go with me to Matthew 9, we were there last week, we're gonna go back to Matthew 9 again this week and we're gonna look at just a couple of verses that are so powerful and they're so relevant to where we are in our culture and in our world today. And I wanna challenge you with this thought, what if, what if you answered these three questions that we're gonna pose today? And you answered them with this idea of, I wanna make the most of every opportunity that God gives me. The first first passage we're gonna look at is Matthew 9, verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all, and here all means all. He went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom as meeting their spiritual need and healing every disease and sickness. That was meeting their physical needs that they had. And Jesus balanced this all the time where he would meet or challenge a spiritual need and and he would meet and fulfill a physical need that someone may have, blending those two together. And here's the, the first part that I wanna look at. When he saw the crowds, and you can underline that, highlight it, circle it, whatever. When he saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And this is the the part of the story where, where we get inserted right here. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's that's our role. That's our responsibility. If you're a follower of Jesus, you become inserted into that story as a harvester in the field. And so the the first question, and it's so powerful from Jesus, here here he is, he's going from town to town to town, he's he's healing the sick, he's preaching the kingdom of God, he's he's doing all of these things, and, and, and when he gets into the multitudes, it says that he saw the crowd. So the first question we want to ask today, and I want you to answer this in your own life this week, the first question is this, who do you see? Who do you see? In our world today, you can open your eyes. You can walk into any Starbucks. You can walk into Target today and go check out the new Chip and Joanna Gaines collection that launched today if you want to. Yeah. All the ladies in the room are smiling. All the men are going, oh no, oh no. You open your eyes and you will see people in need. Who do you see? And here's what's powerful is Jesus sees everyone here in this room. Oh yes, I believe, 100% believe that Jesus physically sees everyone in this room. But Jesus sees those parts of our lives that we won't show anybody. Jesus sees those fears, those worries, those anxieties, those cares, the things that keep us up at night. He he sees those things and he knows those things. 
And for each one of you, you are surrounded by people every single day. It's your coworkers. It's your kids' class, uh, your kids' uh, moms and dads, students. It's your classmates. It's the kids on your ball team. We see ev- people every single day who have needs. So the question is, who do you see, or are you too busy to see them? Are you too busy to see them? You want to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of everyone you see by slowing down enough to actually notice them. You want to stand out in a sea of busyness in our world and in our culture today? See people. See people. Jesus did that. He saw the people that he was with in the moment. But he did more than that. He did more than that. The second question is this. What do you have for them? The heart of Jesus broke when he he saw the crowds. The heart of Jesus broke. And scripture tells us that he had compassion on them. And the heart of Jesus broke for you as well. There was a time in your life when you were separated from God and and because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, his heart broke for you because you were far from God and he had compassion and grace and mercy on you. Let's get more specific. Let's challenge your thinking. Let's let's challenge kind of those corners of your heart because I think for most of it we go, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can do that for the people that are convenient for me. I can do that for the people that I'm in a life group with. I can do that for the kids that walk through my doors, you know, when I serve uh, on Sunday mornings here in Grace Hill Kids. I can do that. That's cool. I can do that. Let's dig just a little bit more. What happens in your heart when you hear or see the people that fall into the category of the nuns? Does your heart break for them? You have compassion on them because I believe, Scripture doesn't talk about the nuns specifically, but I believe that if Jesus had walked in 2017 on this earth, that the nuns would have been the crowd that he would have been trying to hang out with. That the multitudes of the sick and the broken and the hurting and the people that he would have taken the gospel to probably, sorry, would not have looked a lot like the people in this room right now. They probably would have looked a lot more like the 44% of the millennials that make up this category of the nuns. So what do you think about? What happens in your heart? What happens in your life when you think about people that fall into the category of the nuns? If we're going to make a lasting impact as a church and as an individual... We have to have compassion on people that look different than us, that have a different background than us, that have a different value system than us, that I'll go so far as to even say that have a different belief system than us. That's why the partnership with Germantown Elementary School is so important. And if you've never set foot at Germantown Elementary School and walked those halls and seen the faces of those teachers and the administrators and the children, I want to challenge you that sometime over the next 60 days before the end of this year, email Jessica Reisinger, our Compassion Ministries Director, jessica at gracehill901.com, and say, hey, what can I do to help? 
You put your life into a different context and see people that look different than you, I promise you if you're a follower of Jesus, your heart will break and you will have compassion. One issue that we'll talk about, and it plagues the church, it's plagued the church for years, but one issue we're gonna talk about in two weeks is this issue of doubt. You see, the church has not, when I say the church, I mean the capital C church, not this church specifically, I just mean the church. The church in general has not been a place that is comfortable helping people process their doubts about scripture, theology, God, and Jesus. And as a result, as a result, many people have checked out a church and found a place that would accept them for their doubts. Found a place that would help them process rightly or wrongly, and in many cases wrongly, the doubts that they have about God and their faith and theology in Jesus. And as a, as a community, as, a, as followers of Jesus, as a church, we have to be a place that is willing, and it's a risk, trust me, it's messy, trust me. But we have to be a place that is willing to let people belong before they believe. We have to be a place that is willing to let someone come in off the streets who may have no background to the teachings of Jesus, no orientation to scripture, and ask really, really, really off the wall questions that don't make any sense to us. And instead of looking at them and judging them and wondering why they don't just get it. We have to be a place that says, hey, and this will be the question we ask in a couple of weeks. Tell me why you believe that. Put our arm around them. Tell me what shaped your view of your thinking around that. We have to be a place that builds bridges with people's doubt instead of just blowing them up. And if we're gonna be a church and it's effective in changing this religious slide, we have to be a place that says, hey, you can come through these doors. You can come be part of our life group. You can come and, and, and hold doors open or find other serving capacities in the life of this church, and you can belong before you believe. And if you think I have lost my ever-loving mind, and you think I'm crazy, just go back and read how Jesus worked with his disciples. Not all of them believed, but they all belonged. As a matter of fact, one guy doubted so much, they gave him that nickname, Doubting Thomas. So we have to be a place that accepts people, that brings them in and says, hey, no matter who you are, you are welcome here. Again, just call many of your fears. We don't change the truths of God's word, but we don't roll God's word up and use it as a baseball bat either and combat people's doubts that way. Tomorrow, when you see that person in your office, in the carpool line, wherever it may be, what will you have for them? Will you have compassion? Will you seek to understand what's going on in their life? The third question that we ask is this, as we look at this passage of scriptures, what need do they have? Why was Jesus moved with compassion? It's because they had a need. 
And every single person that you encounter every single day, and it doesn't matter what car they drive, it doesn't matter what status they hold in your company, it doesn't matter how big the ring on their finger is, it doesn't matter what kind of purse they carry, it doesn't matter how well put together, it doesn't even matter if they say they don't have a need. Every single person that you meet every single day has a need. And look around. Every single person in this room has a need. Why was Jesus moved with compassion? Scripture says that because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So what need do they have? You know what sheep without a shepherd are? They're alone. They're alone. And for many of the people that we will lay eyes on today when we go to Nukes or when we go to you know, someplace over here, Carriage Crossing or we go home, whatever. For many of the people that we lay eyes on today and tomorrow and this week, they just feel alone. Maybe their loneliness has come because they've made some terrible decisions in their life. Maybe their loneliness comes because they were rejected by a father figure when they were a teenager. And they just feel rejected by every single person they meet. Or they put this wall up. They, they just say, hey, I'm not going to get close to anybody because I don't want to run the risk anymore. But every single person that students you'll walk the halls with tomorrow, no matter how popular they are, no matter what clothes they're wearing, they all have a need. As followers of Jesus Christ, we get, this is powerful, we get to hold out the hope that we have in the truth of what we believe about Jesus. And for many of us tomorrow, when, when you go to school or when you go to work or when you go to your, your stay-at-home mom's playgroup, whatever, whatever circle you run in in your life, There are people that you will meet that will feel alone and they have a need. And that need can be met by Jesus Christ. But it takes us being willing to be, figuratively, Jesus for them. By seeing them first. By saying, what do I have for these people? Do I have judgment? Do I have compassion? Do I have, well, if they hadn't have made blank choice, or do I say, you know what? I was one step away from making a choice just like that. What do we have for them? And then what need do they have that we can meet? If you want to make the most out of every opportunity, if you want to redeem the time, it means that you need to find out what need they have. And if that you are able... And for many of us, we are able to meet that need in some way. I want to tell you about a story. And, and this is just one of those right place, right time. This is not me going and searching and hunting and looking. I just want to tell you a quick story. The story is about a guy that I met this week named Odell. And I was downtown for a couple of days helping some friends out with something. And 
on a lunch break, I, I, was, I was eating at, actually at Bogey's with a couple of people that I had just met, and we, we, were, we were having lunch together, and as we got to stand up and, and leave, looked across the street, and there was a, an African-American gentleman who was, you could tell he was, he was homeless, um, but he was, he was stumbling, he was very disoriented, he, he looked in trouble, and, and, and the first thing that shocked me was the fact that this was lunch hour downtown, and how many people were just walking past him. I, I was a little shocked by the fact that Nobody just stopped him. I mean, this guy was physically in trouble. Something was wrong. And so a few of us, um, we, we kind of threw our stuff away really quick, and we ran across the street, and we wanted to just go kind of see what was going on. And by the time I had gotten around the corner, Odell was passed out on the sidewalk. This is a true story. I, I promise. I'll give you the names of the people I was with. Odell was passed out on the sidewalk, and his eyes were rolled back in his head. I mean, he just looked rough. And, and I got down next to him, and I said, hey, man, what's your name? And he could barely muddle the words Odell. I actually didn't know what his name was at first. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, hey, Odell, have, have you had too much to drink, or is there just something else going on? And he said, my blood sugar's low, I, I need something. And it was amazing to see. We were right there at a restaurant and one of the, the cooks came out really quick and, and we got him a glass of orange juice and all of this stuff. But here, here's the point of the story. In that moment, Odell had a need. Odell needed to get his blood sugar up and Odell needed somebody to call the ambulance for him because he had a need. And you know what in that moment I didn't care about? I didn't care about o Odell's theological background. I didn't care what Odell thought about the end times, whether he was amillennial, whether he was a preterist. Well, I mean, I, those things didn't matter to me in that moment. I, I didn't care in that moment even what part of town Odell was from. Odell just had a need, and I could meet that. And here's, here's what's amazing about that, is Odell didn't care about my background. He didn't care about my theological views in that moment. Odell had a need and there were a few of us there that could help him meet that need. And I, I, Odell got back on his feet, and we were able to kind of help him out. And the ambulance came, and they were familiar with this guy and helped him kind of get going on, on the rest of his day. And, and, and that's a, you know, kind of a crazy Tuesday afternoon story to share with each one of you. But every single one of you tomorrow will come in contact with an Odell. They may not be stumbling down the sidewalk on 2nd and whatever side street we were on downtown. But they've all got a need. And imagine being the person that's willing to sacrifice what it takes in order to meet that need. To step into that person's story and make a difference. So tomorrow, who do you see? What do you have for them? And what need do they have? Let's pray.